On this week's Dose, we welcome on Alicia Silberg, acclaimed entrepreneur, investor, public speaker, and author of her new book, Unemployable, How AI Transformed My Work and Life. Yep, that's hot off the press. The pilgrims are going to love it. Uh, Alicia grew up in South Africa, where she quickly became entrepreneurial out of both necessity and curiosity, having started her first business at age 11. And she leaned into technology at an early age to save her family's business and eventually moved to the United States to pursue what she calls a partnership with technology to the absolute fullest. In the interview, you'll hear more about Alicia's passion for artificial intelligence and her current work today as general partner at Street Global Capital, as well as a few portfolio companies that have her really excited. She also gives the pilgrims some inspiring advice wisdom, and unique perspective, which literally had us ready to run through a brick wall. <laughs> yeah, it was truly an honor and pleasure to have Alicia on the show this week. And we're as excited as ever to share our conversation with you all. So without further ado, here she is. You see here, kid, you got to just go for it. Don't think about what comes after or what came before. You just got to bend your knees. This is VenturePill, your weekly dose of startups and venture capital. We break down recent startups in the news and interview founders and investors to help you stay informed in the evolving world of venture. All right. On this week's dose, we are honored to host Alicia Silberg, acclaimed entrepreneur, investor, and author of Unemployable, How AI Transformed My Work and Life. Alicia, truly an honor to host you. How's it going? Hi, guys. Super excited to be joining you. Couldn't think of anything else I'd rather be doing in the world than having this conversation <laughs> with you. <laughs> wow. Well, the feeling is mutual. Uh, a lot to dig into. Really impressive resume. But we'd like to start just in the early stages. Tell us about your early entrepreneurial journey, having started businesses as early as when you were 11 years old. So... I live and die by startups and, um, you know, I came from poverty and, um, I wanted a pair of pink roller skates. That's how it originally started. <laughs> and, um, I was obsessed with getting these roller skates and I couldn't afford them. And I figured out how to, how to, how to get these roller skates. And by 11, I started my first import export business with my brother, who was always like my partner in these crazy ventures. And it enabled me to see the world in a whole different way. Cause I went from not having to being able to have. And that was a gift that was planted in me super early. And I'm incredibly grateful because I realized the power of like commerce and markets and the idea that um, simple stuff like supply and demand and like how do you market to people? How do you satisfy your customers? Those things laid the foundation for um, a lifelong love affair that to this day, as I say, I, I feel like the luckiest person in the world that I get to work with founders and build companies. Fantastic. And so you grew up in South Africa. Tell us about what it was like there, the entrepreneurial scene, what kind of opportunity? Many people have got different perspectives of South Africa. The experience I had, it's a land of contrasts, many challenges, um, you know, like some exceptionally smart people, but then huge poverty. Um, you know, we had to learn to be super creative and resilient. So I come from a place called Pretoria. And I know there's someone very, very, very famous who lives in Boston, <laughs> who comes from Pretoria <laughs> too. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it taught us to be very um, problem focused in terms of how do you solve massive problems around you. So again, you got to see like markets as at the same time as like viewing it through um, 
social economic lenses in terms of just like massive problems, but also massive opportunities. And I think those those enabled us to me to learn hugely valuable lessons that I could apply to this day. And of course, we can jump into the more personal stuff. You know, I had a lot of bad experiences, but I think overall, those things all solidified um, the ability to build and solve for massive problems globally. And so with that experience, what was the moment that made you ultimately decide to move to the United States, specifically Silicon Valley, and that that would be the natural next step and right move for your career? So I got shot when I was 15 and um, it's all in the book. You know, it happens to, I think, a lot of people in South Africa, they have these horrific experiences. But for me, that was the turning point, you know. By that, by that point, I was already reading compulsively. You know, I used to read this Time magazine that I could get my hands on. And um, I was like, there's this place, and this place has people just like me. And it happened to be that I saw technology as this great partner in life. From very early on, I was like, I can partner with this thing, and I can use this thing to achieve my dreams. And so the idea that I was leaving the familiar for the unknown, that wasn't as scary for me as I think it would be for a lot of people. I was like kind of excited because I'd had opportunities to, you know, I was very, very good at the cello and everyone said, we can become a famous cellist. And I was like, this makes no sense. Like I'm running the probabilities (laughs) in my head. And like, this is not a good endeavor. That was before (laughs) the internet, you know, where you could like productize and scale yourself and, you know, could really build a brand like as an influencer that didn't exist. And I was like, okay, I can do this entrepreneurial thing with these really smart people and I can make a lot of money and do something I love. Or I can play the cello and there's a potential I'll end up, you know, just not having a pretty good quality of life. And so for me, it was like the network, the idea that I could hang around like the smartest people in the world at any point in time, asking any questions I want because I'm hyper curious. The idea that it was a culture of people like you guys, just like me. And the idea that I could surround myself with the most ambitious people I knew, which in South Africa, going back to your previous question, um, often... I felt like my, my ambition was stifled. I think people were fearful of, you know, like how I viewed the world as very disruptive in my thinking. And I wanted to be in a place where there were people who were more ambitious. There were people who were more creative, who were visionaries. And that was like encouraged. And um, that was just like, it was an, an easy choice, but at the same time, in order to achieve the goal was extraordinarily difficult. And so with that big move, switching countries, getting into entrepreneurial <laughs> background, <laughs> What were some of the challenges you faced along the way and how did you overcome them? Oh, there were so many. <laughs> like, it's insane. <laughs> like, literally, it felt like almost every day was like a fight for human survival. I think the most obvious one, which I think a lot of immigrant founders have experienced, was like visas, for example. And a, a few of my friends in Silicon Valley were like, I don't get this when they read the book. They're like, you theoretically are so successful and so smart. Why do you talk about throughout the book all these visa problems to live in America? These things <laughs> shouldn't have tripped you up, especially given the fact that you've been shot, you've almost died a couple of times. Like, what the hell? And I was like, you have no idea how hard it is to actually live in the US. It's an, inc- you know, it's a privilege, but it's actually an extremely difficult thing, especially like when you come from the emerging markets. And it was like, at each turn, it was like, I, I want to prove my value to this country, but you know, like you're dealing with so many things that are beyond your control. And so that was just an example that that resilience that I had to keep finding uh, to cap, to tap into. Like at one point I lived in the UK for five years and you know, I was commuting here like months at a time. It was incredibly difficult. And um, that was just one example, but there were so many, like 
you, you guys know what it's like building companies. Like when someone says like you believe in what you're doing and it's like very a visionary thing, but at the same time, people around you are like, are you insane? Like, I don't get it. That's <laughs> dumb. Like everyone's doing that. And it's like, no, you don't understand what I'm doing. But it, you know, you get a lot of negative feedback. You get people rejecting you. You know, you want people as your employees or you want people to partner with you or investors are rejecting you and you got to keep on going. You got, you know, running out of money, big thing, running out of money, um, having to send those investor updates where you're like, Oh, we're not progressing as much as we want to progress, even though we're trying our best. And you know, you're trying to find product market fit and all these things that I think we all take for granted that can be super, super tough when you're there just building, trying to just keep on going. We can, diving deeper but as i say uh i think i failed more times than i succeeded it was like it was tough going really tough going <laughs> i mean if you think about it if you're the smartest one in the room <laughs> you're probably in the wrong room so that that move is an ambitious journey and with not without its challenges we're wondering a little bit more with, with regard to your passion for technology you mentioned this partnership with technology i really like how you put that um, how did you develop that? We know you had early success in math and science. Like, how did you even get exposed and find this love for technology? I hang around super technical people, and it's a gift at the same time. Like, um, I'm not as technical as a lot of the people I hang around with. And I think I've always been drawn to a certain type of person because it's just like fascinating how, like, you know, an engineering mindset is. And I always had these big, grand goals my entire life. And there were always limitations in terms of my own capabilities. So whilst I was really good at math and science, I felt that there was like, there's this part of my brain, you know how you get to know your brain and you're like this part of my brain that just needed that extra help. And it was technology always just, I found it, it found me and it was love. And from a very early age, it was like, how can this thing help me get that thing and get to the next stage? And as I said, I was thinking about AI, forever ago. Why? Because it was like, how can I just achieve this next step in terms of these grand, grand, grand goals? And so, for example, starting really early, like we, my brother and I had to save my family business. It was, it was going to die. It was very, very serious. Uh, my dad died and we were like, it was a fight for survival. We were going to be those people that slept in a cardboard box um, under a bridge. That was how close it came. You know, the bank was coming for our house. The bank was coming for everything. We had no running water. We, you know, we had no electricity. They just like, my dad died and like, there were just bulls coming out of the floor, out of the ceiling, you name it, there were bulls. And so we had to be very entrepreneurial, very fast. And so if you think about it in a super, super simple back in the day uh, framework, um, there was an internet cafe, like two shops on from our family shop. And the idea that there was this thing called the internet and we could go on the internet and we could find solutions to saving this business in a very practical context, that's what we did. And it was like, how do we do this to get ourselves where we need to go? Because we are going to drown. And for example, we moved to Canada. That was to open a business. The two of us was crazy, convinced the Canadian government that we would be the best suppliers in the world for costumes for the Canadian movie industry. It sounds insane, <laughs> but that's the power of the internet. I'm 15 years old. We've got the shop with like, you know, it was a costume store. The costumes were super old and the, the shop was going to die. We, you know, like my dad had a pharmacy too, but the pharmacy part, we couldn't keep going because we couldn't afford somebody to come and work in the pharmacy. So we have these old costumes and we need to survive. And so, you know, like when an entrepreneur is pushed to their breaking point, it's incredible how, how creative you become. 
and we were like, oh yeah, we got this internet thing here. What can we do? And we both were passionate about research and we sat down and it's like, okay, we can supply these people with costumes. We know how to do this. And my brother was running the business. I was shipped off to Canada and I had to pitch the Canadian government on becoming a supplier of costumes to a movie industry. And it sounds insane. <laughs> I managed to convince them and they're like, okay, we'll give you capital. You can do this. And that was the first time where I was like, okay, like this machine, which seems so simple, has extraordinary amounts of power if you're willing to work with it. And that was just like this whole way through in terms of AI. Um, I, I trained as an actuary. And at one point um, in South Africa, you have to write 13 um, sets of exams in order to you know, practice being an actuary. And they host these exams at like insurance companies. And so there are 40 of the, what are 40 of the smartest people in South Africa at that time writing these exams together. And we have a sheet of paper with mul multiple choice um, boxes. We have a pencil and we have a calculator, you know, a very simple calculator because they're worried we're going to cheat. Okay. And we've had to learn 3000 <laughs> formula off by heart. So, you know, writing formula over and over and over again to learn it off by heart. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, um, I don't know why I finished the exam and I'm looking around me and I'm like, this is the dumbest thing I have ever <laughs> seen on earth. I'm like, I literally think I'm like living in the twilight zone. If this is what they expect us to do with our time. Cause you know, like, you know that the formula are going to go straight in and straight back out. There's no way you're going to remember the stuff. And I'm like, there's no way on earth I'm going to work in a place like this. This is dumb. A machine can do a better job than me and I can use my creativity in a way to work with the machine. And that was like 2003. And I was like, I'm going all in with tech. Like I'm going all in. And it's like the future is the machine will replace us and we will do something far more creative with our time. And it's just like, that was when my relationship with AI, where I was constantly like, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. How we, how can we, how can we do this in a smarter way? So it's always been like, it. it's been, as I say, probably one of the most important friendships I've ever had in my life because it's been so empowering. Yeah, no, that that is an awesome story driven by the need to survive the first part and talking about how loving technology to allow you to be more creative. Sounds like you were a very early adapter with technology and more specifically AI. So with that said, what do you make of the current state of AI, which we've covered at length on this podcast for the past year? Obviously, it's been blowing up in venture capital and just in technology in general. And where do you see the future of AI going? I'm extremely excited. Like, I know there are a lot of people, like, I have a lot of fear coming at me, you know, frequently where people are really nervous and you can understand why, because like we're in the thick of it, you know, like we're, we're all working with it. So it's like, I think there's a level of comfort uh, in terms of things uh, happening there. I think because I started so early, um, I got to see it, like, if you use an analogy, like with crypto, I got to see it before all the hype. And that's kind of cool where, you know, I got to build an, a very, very early voice analytics platform or company which is why I came to the US in the first place. And I got to see um, the challenges of what it was like to build um, and find the right talent. And, you know, like how it was so early and it was so um, fascinating to be on that journey. And that, that, that starting so early enabled me to, to find really cool companies and invest in really cool companies where I could see them grow. And I could see the challenges that they experienced, whether it was raising capital and people, you know, I'd go to like really successful people and I'd be like, oh, my portfolio company's raising capital. They're doing um, this really important thing. The person would be like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, there's no way this is going to survive. 
And the idea that you have to like stand in your power and be like, I fundamentally believe this is the future and I'm going to stick with this. And I'm going to keep going deeper and deeper into helping this company, whether it's through capital, whether it's through my network, whether it's through whatever I can do to help this company to ensure that it survives. Um, that happened for so long. And there was such deep bonds formed during that time. And I've just gotten to see how those companies have grown and the founders, their connection to the problem they were solving and their passion for solving that problem. So even as, you know, there's been so much noise and there's been so much like excitement around GPT and, you know, we see, like you see, I see a lot of deal flow every day. And a lot of people are like, I'm building this, 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 this. And people are excited, but at the same time thinking like from a first principles perspective, like what problem am I truly solving here that fundamentally makes things better for the customer or for the world in, in a greater context? Uh, I think important conversations are happening around ethics. Like I see because I build so much of my own and I see like the kind of questions that I have to ask myself internally inside, like with the team in that, uh, things that like, it's a fascinating place to be. I couldn't be more excited. Like I'm a huge student of history and I think about like uh, the Renaissance and I think about like the industrial revolution and I think about where the world is going. And I feel incredibly appreciative that we get to participate in such an important point in history. Um, at the same time, like there's the stuff that has to be thought about really carefully in terms of um, just the direction things take. I'm sure you've had a lot of people discussing that with you as well. And ensuring that um, for me, my priorities where people say I'm going to lose my job saying, well, I don't, I don't see it that way. I don't see this about AIs taking the job. I see it as um, we haven't even thought about what the jobs of the future are. And that's the part that excites me the most in that the earlier you get involved, the more curious you are. Are you willing to be curious about it and to use like, what is your superpower? You uniquely have a superpower. Each of you has something extraordinary about you. And how do you use the power of AI and leverage the power of AI to be able to build something for yourself, whether it's you working as an employee and you you're enabling your company to become more successful, or if you're starting a venture, how do you do that in a way that's unique and at the same time adds so much value that you have a group of people who want to support you financially as customers or investors to go on that journey with you. And I think there's a lot to still be discovered that we're not even aware of yet. And I think that's incredibly exciting. It's like, being artists creating a new world it's undoubtedly exciting and just so cool to think about the endless possibilities and and your enthusiasm is infectious i love it <laughs> we I, we we really would like to ask though about the downsides the potential downsides of this new technology and you know with specifically regard to bias and regulation with ai how how do you think about that how do you think the leaders of our these companies you know, leading the charge should be thinking about that in partnership with governments to make sure that this is a safe partnership between humans and technology. You know, none of us has the answers. You know, often I, I do a lot of um, reverse engineering and stuff. And I think this would be something that would be really interesting to reverse engineer in terms of like, what are the options? Like, how will this play out? And like working backwards in terms of, in terms of that, I think, Regulation is good. Like, you know, I built this, like, sound, you guys are founders, so you'll get it. Like, one of my investors came to me a while back because I was involved in crypto for a long time because I came from South Africa. And um, he said to me, build, build this crypto portfolio and um, I'll partner with you. And I used a ton of AI to build this crypto portfolio. And I saw 
because I was doing like really interesting stuff in terms of what was real, what's not real, where's the value actually lie, like what is actually happening here. I went about it from a very, very experimental approach versus like um, what, uh, not taking anything at face value and more like what is actually of value here. And I learned a ton and I saw what regulation meant. I saw where stuff went horribly wrong. Like we've all seen what's happened with SBF. Um, I've seen other people um, go to jail. I think the regulation is good in the sense that, as I say, using the use case of crypto and using that many retail investors got screwed in crypto. Um, at the same time, I think you have to be really careful with the regulation because everyone has an agenda, um, not specifically the government, but, you know, like there are private, there are private companies being built. And if you do this job long, long enough, each one of those companies has a return to deliver to the investors and they're going to do their best to deliver the biggest return possible. That's just, we all know this is how startups work. And so it's like, what does that look like in reality in terms of who's getting regulated, who's not getting regulated, how even is the playing field? And I think that's an important thing to think about that. Um, I'm not worried about the big players. Like as crazy as that may sound, I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about the people that no one's even thinking about. Like this is the US and you, you think about like crypto again, it's just purely because it's a, an interesting use case. And it's like the people being regulated in crypto in the US, that's one thing. But it's like who wasn't getting re regulated and who was screwing innocent investors over. And the same goes with um, AI in the sense that it's like I'm not worried about the parties we know. It's the parties we don't know. And like what mm -hmm. does that look like in reality where those parties are like, I don't really give like uh, – I don't care. I don't care what rules they came up with. I don't care. Like I'm doing this and <laughs> so be it. And I think that's the part that really worries me where it's like, you know, there's so much hidden in the unknown and figuring out how you can deal with that. But I, I deal with very honorable people. Like I deal with founders who are very well-meaning, who are trying to do stuff um, for the right reasons. Like I've been co-investors with Sam Altman. You know, I've interacted with Sam. I'm very involved in why I can combinate the community. Like, Whatever, people may not like me for saying this, but I fundamentally, as a human being, admire Sam greatly. I think what he's doing is incredibly impressive. Um, I think it was extremely brave. I just, you know, like I, I've learned a ton from him personally. And I just feel like fundamentally things in the world will get better. And it's good to have someone like him speaking out. It's good to have these leaders speaking out about what they want to see. But again, it's like, who's not having that conversation? Who's saying, you know what? I don't care about that conversation. I'm doing what I want to do. <laughs> I really don't mind what all of you are doing. Uh, that, that's the part that, 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 that concerns me. Yeah, no, that's well said. It's, it's an interesting response to a pretty loaded question, <laughs> right? No, there's kind of hard to know if there's one right way of doing it. Um, moving forward a little bit here, you've had such an illustrious career. We've covered some of it already. Investor, entrepreneur, author, public speaker. Uh, what ultimately led you to settling into your role as a venture capital investor with Street Global? I think it was just natural. Like as I was building my entire life, I was always helping other founders. And we came from this environment where um, there was no capital available in South Africa. Government doesn't care about startups. Banks um, don't care about startups. Investors give terrible terms if you can get the terms in the first place. Um, so basically there was no support system in place. And I had this belief from very early on that um, 
my success can help someone else's success and a rising tide lifts all ships. I fundamentally believe that. So if there was someone who, you know, was building a little trucking business or, you know, I was always like, okay, how much capital do you need to get your next truck? How much capital do you need to get this business going or this business going? And it was always just like paying it forward. And it gave me a lot of joy to be able to create more wealth in order to help other people. And that was just like, inherently inside of me and the idea that I could at some point do that as a full-time career in a way that was unique to me. So I think I didn't want to be a um, slave to assets under management in terms of funds. And I learned because, because I was doing everything myself, which is probably the best way to learn to do this job. I saw that the, the system to some extent was flawed and I wanted to improve the way things were done specifically for my use case where I felt I felt the most important people were the founders and I wanted to spend my time helping the founders. And so I had to do things in a pretty unique way to ensure that the founders were always well served. And so even though I do the VC thing, at the same time, I work hands-on with the portfolio. So there's specific things like I co-invest with the best firms in the world, but at the same time, there's specific things that the founders will come to me and say, I need help with this can you please help me with this? Like, for example, business development, where um, I'll work with the founders to um, ensure that I can set them up with a ton of perfect, perfectly aligned customers very rapidly because that's something that's very useful to them. And so each one of those things was like, how do I engineer this to, to help these, these founders the best way I can? And so I think leveraging uh, my experiences, building, leveraging my network was very important and always investing in stuff that I understood um, and, always working with people that we share the same values. And, um, you know, I'm obsessed with people that can um, say, I'm building this and this is the childhood connection to what I was, to what I'm doing now. I was obsessed with solving this when I was a kid and it's just been like this lifelong love. I love working with those kinds of people because whatever difficulties come their way, it doesn't matter. They're so obsessed with that thing they're doing, they're just going to keep on going. So I think um, going from, when it's like one or two people and it's an idea and like they're just like so passionate and obsessed with it to it becoming like this market force. Um, I don't know, like it's it, it's a thrill. It's 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 a thrill. Like I feel like the luckiest person in the world to be able to do something that's has meaningful impact to so many people. Like people see startups when they're small, but then they're like, how did it happen? How did it become so big? But it's a journey. It's a journey of creating and building and solving. Absolutely. Yeah. You're speaking, you're speaking our language and, and our whole mission with this podcast is to get more people into this world where, which we know is so exciting, but can seem, can seem scary to get into. And so that, that's why we do what we do. We get so excited with all the innovation going on out there. And um, for you to be at the center of that all is, is admirable and, and so exciting. We, we want to know, like, are there any like notable portfolio companies or founders specifically the individuals that you work with that you'd like to tell us about in the portfolio? You know, a parent's not supposed to have, um, a, you know, a favorite child. <laughs> so any founders hear this and they're like, why didn't she say me? I'm sorry about that. But uh, so, <laughs> um, I in, recently invested in a company I'm really excited about. You guys can try it out and tell me what you think. Um, it's called Global Predictions. Um, so it's intelligent portfolio management. And they're the only company right now in the world that basically is AI empowered. Let's use the word AI empowered that has SEC approval. 
So when it comes to, hmm. um, you, you know, like a portfolio experimentation, boosting like your, your confidence in your portfolio in it, like it's intelligent portfolio management on steroids. It's an incredible team. Um, so Alex is the founder and he's just like built this insane team. And um, it's worth trying out. Like it's worth trying out. Tell me what you think. I'm really, really excited. Like I've been looking at like portfolio management in that for a very long time and anything to do with like financial services and, you know, from an AI perspective, my standards are very high when it comes to that and I'm pretty demanding. And I was like, I was just like pounding him with questions. Like, how are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? And by the end of it, I was like so impressed. And I was like, so like, wow, like they spent like two years working with the SEC to get approval. And um, they, they made it across the, the finish line. And now, you know, they regularly meet with the SEC and that. And I'm so, so, so proud of the work they're doing because it just shows what is possible if you're willing to do the work. So that's like uh, in financial services. Then, for example, in AI, in healthcare, I've got a company called Ambience Healthcare. So that's Nikhil and Michael. I'm extraordinarily proud of them. So that's an autonomous scribe. And the healthcare industry is like wild about it, like doctors in there. Because the biggest problem right now is that, you know, doctors are spending all their time on admin. And it's kind of crazy how many hours a day, like all these experts are spending doing this stuff and you know medicine in the future is that the doctor is completely focused on you the patient and that the ai is doing everything else and um they have been they were you know they started so early incredibly inspiring story and they're like all in with this and um it took a long time you know they were in stealth no one knew existed and i was like they're doing really cool stuff in there i can't tell you what it is but i can tell you they're doing some really cool <laughs> stuff in there they're like at least you don't say anything you know what i say anything. so the moment they came out of stealth i was like the happiest person on earth so um they've doing really cool stuff as well um odeco so that's um um, I don't know if you guys know it. It's a support for small businesses. You guys can all look at the Odeco app, doing really important stuff. Dane is one of the most extraordinary founders on earth. I'm incredibly proud of him. And um, they've received in- incredible community feedback with that one. Again, like global predictions, um, try it out. Try out the Odeco app, see what it's like. And you are the customers. If you think it's absolutely amazing, then we know we're doing a really good job. So I think it's amazing. And a lot of, a lot of people think it's amazing, but those are just a few that are using AI in very interesting ways. And for people coming into it, it's like they are all three solving problems, but the AI just enables it to be even better solved. And I think that's really important that it's not like just like chasing things, but really, really, really focusing on what customer product problem am I solving and am I creating a product that is so brilliant that it delights my customers and they are so appreciative that I am here to solve their problem for them yeah that sounds like an awesome trio of startups we'll have to check those out Um, (laughs) you actually might have answered or you touched on this in your previous answer but curious as an investor with your unique experience what are some of those values and qualities that you're looking for in a founder and the founding teams so I look at like the portfolio, like I invest in a company called Contraline. It's the world's first um, reversible male vasectomy. And sounds crazy, but it's like incredible. This technology is absolutely incredible. So like, I hope I never freaked you out, but it's like really amazing technology. <laughs> and when I met Kevin, he was like, he told me about his life. And he told me about how he was obsessed with, um, this problem even though he was like this kid you know like he was absolutely obsessed and he he like was 
sitting in on surgeries when he was in high school. Like he engineered his whole life around um, the problem he solves today. And he went to school specifically in Virginia because that was the best program in the world. And it was like, he was so young, but at the same time, he was so clear about how he wanted to spend his time and what he valued in the world. And I think that was, and all the founders I invest in, like they're not about the ego. And I think that's a big part of it. I'm not looking for people with a big ego because I don't have a big ego, but I've, I've spent a substantial amount of my life working on being, being in as meditative space as I can be to serve the people around me as best as I can. And I think that makes the best founders where it's not about um, how much capital I've raised so I can go and brag to everyone. It's not about who my investors are so I can go and brag to everyone. It's not about what jet I want to buy. Um, like It's cool to have jets, but at the same time, focusing on like, why am I doing this? Like, am I building this so I can buy a jet? Or am I building this because I'm solving a problem for a customer and a jet happens to be the cool toy? that I get to buy because I've done such a brilliant job helping my customers. I think that those are like the primary, primary things in terms of um, also people knowing their strengths and limitations. I know that's slightly different to values, but at the same time, like knowing where, like I've done a ton of personal work, like Ray Dalio's principles has been a life changing um, part of my life. And I'm incredibly grateful and if I think about how much time I spent um, studying principles, learning, creating affirmations on principles, um, where I'd literally like learn it, learn it off my heart. And then same with the app, doing the app, getting everyone around me to do the app, doing all the tests in terms of my strengths and weaknesses. When the journal came out, I like bought like a hundred copies of the journal and it was like practicing, practicing because um, Ensuring that we know what we're good at enables us to succeed in a much bigger way. But it starts with doing that personal work where it's like there are things that I'm just not good at. And the AI helps a great deal because I'm like, okay, I don't, I'm not good at this. But at the same time, the AI can help me and I can surround myself with people who are excellent at this. And going back to your point previously, um, where you have the ability to say, I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I want to surround myself with the smartest people in the room. Like, the whole time is that room growing is that room evolving um, so that we're constantly bringing in smarter people um, you know like can can i adapt very quickly to negative feedback um, do i take a personally when i get negative feedback these are the kinds of things where um, do i have a problem with my founder and can i deal with it in a constructive way these are things where i've seen the difference like i, I see my portfolio on a normal distribution curve and it's really interesting when you've invested in a lot of companies and you're like, where do the, the different companies sit and what have I learned in terms of, for example, their values and um, are people willing to have very uncomfortable conversations? Um, so all these kinds of things, I think, enter into the concept of values. And I look for all these kinds of things because um, if you find it difficult to have a difficult conversation with someone else about a diffi something difficult, you're going to have difficulty building a company because you're going to have to trust the person sitting next to you to have those difficult moments and to know like our friendship means enough that no matter what happens, we are aligned in terms of what we are building and we will find our way through this. But first and foremost, we can have those difficult conversations because the thing we have undertaken is so difficult that the odds are not in our favor. So we have to be able to pull together. We have to be able to have very, very, very tough conversations 
in order to excel in the way we want. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, we've heard other folks on the, on the show liken it to a marriage. You have to make sure you, you're able to get in bed with that person and, and go through the toughest of times and um, overcome those obstacles, some that you can get along with like that. I love, love that philosophy, Alicia. We want to shift gears to the final portion of the, the conversation today with a refocus on your book, Unemployable. Tell us like, what the pilgrims, our listeners to this show, what should the pilgrims expect from that book? Maybe give us a little taste. And what advice might you have for folks looking to get into the world of venture? So I think I've redefined the concept of unemployable because, you know, like <laughs> I, I, I open sourced the book from a get go to the readers, to, you know, to people like you. And I was like, here's a Google Doc. I'm writing this book. My goal is to add value to you as founders. So tell me the truth. And I think um, that's another thing. Go back to values. Um, I got a lot of negative feedback on the book, for, but it was never personal. It was about a product that needed to improve. And so um, I wanted to create it as um, something that could give people insights in terms of building startups, in terms of if you're looking to raise venture capital, whatever the case may be, if you want to build something for yourself in the world that we live in. I wanted to ensure that I covered things that were not covered um, by any other books. And I think that was really important. At one point in my life, I read 5,000 books in five years. And so I got a pretty good context of like what's out there. I told you I'm crazy. And so, <laughs> so, so I, think, um, I think for me, the most important stuff in the book is that um, embracing AI like AI as like this, like it's, it's class, it's privilege agnostic and it's, it meets you where you at. And um, the idea that um, you being a continuous learner and you being adaptable, the AI will be your partner in whatever you want to create. And I think it's also, um, and I want it to be a catalyst. I want people to read it and be like, Oh wait, there's one line in there. And that one line is going to change my life because I just needed to have this one thing today. And I was going to, you know, sell my company early or I was going to quit and I, I'm now not ready to quit. So any of those types of things that I think we all go through, we all just need that moment where we want to know, Hey, someone out there actually cares. That person doesn't <laughs> want me to, to do this thing. She's there and she really wants to see me succeed because this is her thing. So I think it's just celebrating the spirit and the power of technology to create what we all get to do every day. And that sense of joy that we get to, to, to embrace. Um, those are the most important things where I fundamentally believe in what each of us does. And I think um, I, I want other people to join our journeys. Yeah, no, that sounds like a must read book. We're going to have to get to that and love the concept of open sourcing it too. That's, that's a novel approach to it, which I love to hear. Um, piggybacking off that, maybe a little bit more advice for people who might be on the outside looking in, you know, kind of scared of the daunting world of venture capital, startups, entrepreneurship, whatever it may be, any advice for how to just get started and kind of work your way into the whole wild world that is venture capital? So I'm a compulsive learner. And so what I did at the end of the book to make life easy was I, I gave a whole bunch of resources and I try to be super selective because there's nothing worse than, you know, someone gives you this list of resources and you're like, why did this person send this to me? Like, seriously? <laughs> and I, I, I had a lot of that where it's like the ego again, where it's like, I can look smart and send you all these like really smart things, but I'm not actually serving you. And so I tried to ensure that, um, like, for example, Warren Buffett's investment memos, um, I included in it. Why? Because it's worth sitting and reading all those investment memos. It's really worth it. And people were like, I don't understand why. I'm like, you'll notice something very valuable and just sitting down and 
you don't have to do all of them at once. Do one one every few days or one a week or something. But start and just keep going, and you'll see how the mind of a master works. And you'll see that mastery in very in very different fields, but mastery looks a certain way, and it's worth learning the insights of a master to see the things that you shouldn't be doing. Like there have been times where, as I say, investing. One of the hardest things about investing is not letting your ego get in the way. And there'd be times where there would be something inside Warren Buffett's memo, and I'd be like, ah, I want to do this. This is cool, and I just like, just like do something when it came to investing that I shouldn't have done. And had I just been like, oh wow, like it was there, it was sitting in the memo. And so I think training yourself to um, to see the world from like a a, a very cohesive lens. Like there've been people I've learned from that um, meditating, for example. Like why do I encourage people to meditate while building companies? Because the stress can kill you. It can literally make you sick and it can kill you. But the idea that for like five, 10 minutes a day or something, you meditate, it's going to make you a better founder. So you're sitting on the outside, you're like, oh, I'm scared to do this. I don't know how to raise capital. I don't want to reach out to VCs. Uh, um, I have to go like go inside YC and find the founder matching program. And I have to meet with all these other people who could be potentially my co-founders. Oh, wow, that's so nerve-wracking. They may reject me. So then how do you solve something like that? Okay, sit quietly by yourself for five minutes and do nothing else. Just sit there for five minutes. You'll feel substantially better. And by the end of those five minutes, you'll be closer to being able to do that thing that scares you. So a lot of the stuff in this world, speaking from experience, appears to be incredibly frightening. But it's actually not. Like the information is all out there. It's a matter of like picking and choosing what information you want and saying, do I, again, do I fundamentally believe in what I'm trying to do? That's a really important one. Do I fundamentally believe in myself? That's also a really important one. You know, I was in Las Vegas this weekend and I went to watch U2 at the Sphere. And, you know, I read Bono's book and I highly recommend anyone um, who's looking to, to, to achieve extraordinary things with their lives, holding companies in our context, to read that book. Because he talked about how even now on the stage, it's Bono. He has self-doubt. Like, that's Bono. He has self-doubt. <laughs> and, and how he deals with that self-doubt. And I feel like, again... When I spoke about the Warren Buffett memos, it's the same thing with Mono, where it's like he's a master at what he does, but he's doing certain things in order to have achieved that mastery. Startups is the same thing. It's It seems so big and scary with so much to know, but it's actually not. If you sit down, there's a process to be followed. And if you're willing to be very systematic about it, um, you can be extraordinarily successful. Like it, there's a saying, Silicon Valley rewards resilience. The person who gets up every time they get knocked down is the person that's ultimately going to succeed. And so it's like you saying to yourself, am I willing to get knocked down more than everyone else I know? When I see other people quitting, does that mean I'm going to quit because it's so hard? Or I'm going to say, oh, wow, people who I thought would never quit are quitting because this is so difficult. I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to dig in deeper. Oh, there's no capital. Okay, I will find capital. I don't care what it takes. I'm going to be the most convincing person because those investors are seeing that I'm not giving up. Like I know this one founder and he's building an AI company. And this guy has every single thing, going back to your earlier question, everything that could go wrong for this poor guy has gone wrong. And everything like that, every obstacle that could land up in his way has landed up in his way. And I see him and I'll go above and beyond to help him. And the same goes with everyone else because I'm like, wow, he never quits. Like he never quits. And he's always like, he's like on the ground. He's like sick. He can't get out of bed. Like it's, it's bad. Like it's really bad. I've seen this guy like really go through tough times and he just like, 
he pulls himself up and he's like, I'm keeping on going. And he sticks a smile on his face and he'll say to you, you know, it's tough, it's tough, but he never quits. And that's a founder that's going to, eventually, he's going to sell that company for a lot of money because he's just like, I'm all in with this. Like, I know where I'm going and I'm not going to quit. Even if this kills me, <laughs> I'm going to just keep on going. Yeah. <laughs> Super inspiring. Uh, Alicia, you, you thank you so much for sharing just even a little small bit of your life story with us, of your wisdom, your advice. And um, I think if anything, one of our more inspiring interviews, uh, we have to, I have to, in a, in a, yeah, clap it up. <laughs> um, in a more lighthearted, a lighthearted question is how, how do we know that you're not an AI? Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, that's an interesting question. Um, for now, this is the real Alicia, okay? Okay, <laughs> point, so we'll now take that, your word for it. You know, I, I've really been debating this neural link. Like, I'm like, I'm really like, I'm like, I, yeah, I don't know. For now, this is the real me, like you can see. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we let you go, just a couple more questions to get to know you a little better. You mentioned in your book you have a whole list of resources, but... If you had to select just a couple, what are some most notable books, podcasts, other general resources that shaped you along your journey and you think might be beneficial for our listeners? So before I forget resources, so I have an AI newsletter that comes out every week. I have a team of people we put in a ton of work. So you guys are founders. Um, please follow the newsletter and give me feedback. Like, I want to hear your feedback. Is it valuable to you? Is it not valuable to you? What do you want to see? What don't you want to see? Like, as I say, we're not doing it for our egos. We're doing it to ensure that you're well set up. So that's the newsletter. Um, easy enough to sign up to and um, books. I'm sure you guys have also read the Elon book by Walter Isaacson. I found it like super intriguing. Um, so that's a book I'd highly recommend everyone reads because it just like, it takes things to a whole new level in terms of his dedication to what he did. Like like we can all identify with it. Like I think about the times where he like, he's had those stomach aches and you know, I've had a lot of stomach aches from, you know, folding what I've built in it. And I was like, I could really identify with that. And so I think as founders, it just like reminds us like there is, we do this, but there's something so much bigger that we do it for. And like, it's just, I found it incredibly inspiring. Um, so that one's a brilliant book. Um, I mentioned the Bono book, which I think everyone should read because it's really interesting. Lex, of course, as far as podcasts, I think we all listen to Lex Friedman podcast and learn mm -hmm. a ton from it. Um, I've become pretty discerning in terms of what I listen to. Um, so, and I also have AI running. So I listen to so much at this point that I'm consolidating a lot. So the AI is like mm -hmm. consolidating, you know, the transcripts and all those things. Um, but I try to ensure that the stuff that I'm most interested in is on the newsletter. So um, you guys take a look, give me feedback. Um, yeah. I read it's an interesting book on Michelangelo recently. Again, I see founders today as the artists of, you know, like the Renaissance. And again, went through mm -hmm. absolute hell in order to build what is today. Some of, it will create some of the most important art in history. And, you know, he was just like you guys, like building, creating, sacrificing, fighting with his customers, like the Pope <laughs> to pay him. And, <laughs> and he never had an easy time. Like he was like funding everything himself. He was like, dude, I have to. Money. and like yeah you know so so those are just some interesting books that are like a bit out of the ordinary in terms of like we all read the startup books we all read those kinds of books but it's the same values it's the same fundamentals that create success yeah well alicia will link uh the ai newsletter for sure in our show notes uh in addition what is the best way for people to follow and connect with you and all that you're working on 
So of course you can find me on social media. Um, I think as far as founders and Echo, um, message me on LinkedIn. So if there's something you specifically want to ask me, I get a lot of invites, but at the same time, if you like got a question or something, just say like, hi, Alicia, I heard you on VentureFall. I have a question and like, I'll just make sure that I pay attention to it and that I answer it because like founders are my people and I know what it's like to reach out and you're like, oh wow, she seemed like such a nice person. And then she never bothered reaching back to me. Like, ugh. So no, I try not to be that person <laughs> because I was that person for a long time reaching out to people and I know what it feels like. And often it's just the person's busy, but I do my absolute best to ensure that I can, I can be there for founders where they need that support and can answer questions or direct them to the right people. Got it. Well, appreciate you being so open to interact with us and our listeners, everyone who's going to listen to this podcast. Uh, but yeah, again, I think we're just about ready to wrap up this conversation. But Alicia, it was a pleasure meeting you and really can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us today. And thank you guys. You're doing important work. Like this is like really cool. Like I'm really excited to have joined you and um, I hope it adds value to, to your audience's lives and I hope some incredible companies are built as a result of your show. That's yeah. We can only hope the same. <laughs> so awesome to have you, Alicia. You'll do it. Exactly. Yeah. Make it yeah. <laughs> exactly. And looking forward to staying in touch as well. For sure. Thank you guys. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another dose of startups and venture capital. And as always, we appreciate our pilgrims spreading the word about the show. Share with your friends and help someone else make the pilgrimage. See you next time. She told me that she only bumps my music when she's lonely. Thinks my vibe's a little low-key, okie-dokie, that's alright, but wait, I don't know how to do it.